Hello and welcome to our Secular Overeaters podcast series, where you'll hear from speakers who have found recovery from food and other addictions without God. For additional information, go to secularovereaters.org. And now let's get to today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Secular Overeater sponsor panel. My name is Carolina, I'm from Germany, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Welcome to the second event sponsored by Secular Overeaters Sponsorship Initiative. Our first event was on accountability buddies. A recording can be found on our website, secularovereaters.org. Today's event, Secular Overeater Sponsor Panel, is our first foray into addressing the need for more secular sponsors. At this 90-minute program, you'll hear from new and experienced secular sponsors as they talk about how they sponsor secular members. Our goal is to demystify how sponsors operate and encourage those of you who are abstinent and on recovery path to become sponsors. Our agenda today starts with some key points from the OA pamphlet, A Guide for Sponsors. Then we'll hear from our panel of experienced sponsors. This portion of the program should take around 50 minutes. Then we will open up the chat for questions for our sponsors and shares from you for around 20 minutes. We will end our program in 90 minutes. At this time, I will turn it over to Kay, who will give us some highlights from a guide for sponsors. Thank you, Carolina. Hi, everybody. My name is Kay, and I am a compulsive overeater. Overeaters Anonymous provides several pieces of literature for sponsors. The Overeaters Anonymous pamphlet entitled, A Guide for Sponsors. Why, when, and how to be an OA sponsor. Here are a few key points from this pamphlet that will hopefully be a good introduction to the basics of sponsoring. A sponsor is abstinent and works the 12 steps to the best of their ability. A sponsor listens and supports, but is not a therapist. Sponsors do not pretend to have all the answers. Sponsoring keeps us from isolating, and it reminds us why we work this program. The perfect sponsor does not exist. Speak to your sponsor about preparing to be a sponsor. Sponsor up to your own level of experience. Ask others how they sponsor, always maintaining anonymity as you have these discussions. Be realistic about how much time you have to give a new sponsee. Be honest with your sponsee about your own recovery. It is not advisable to enter a sponsor-sponsee relationship with someone you could be sexually attracted to. Objectivity in the sponsor-sponsee relationship is important. So, in some circumstances, it may not be advisable to sponsor a friend. Sometimes a sponsor becomes a friend. This pamphlet is much more extensive than what I've shared with you today, including a brief intro on working the steps with sponsees, how many sponsees to have, types of sponsors, and suggestions for when a sponsee is missing in action. Also remember, secularovereaters.org also has resources on sponsorship. 
right now, I'll turn the program back over to Carolina. Thank you, Kay. Now for our panelists, we have four sponsors on our panel today. You'll hear a variety of styles and approaches, and you'll hear some similarities too. Please note that our panelists today were not selected because they are necessarily available to take on new sponsees, nor are they here today because they know the right way to be a sponsor. They are simply here because they have sponsored other secular members and when called upon to do service, they agreed. So thank you panelists for being willing to share your experience, strength and hope. So we have seven questions for our experienced sponsors. We have requested that our panelists not speak for more than two minutes on each question. You will notice that Kay will be keeping time and I will call on each sponsor to answer. We'll start with the most obvious question. Please share your name, how long you've been in program, how long in secular, and the number of secular sponsees you've worked with. Let's start with Ashley. Next up is Jenny, then Kathy, and we'll end with Steve. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Ashley. I am a compulsive overeater in recovery, and I work a secular program. I've been in OA for almost two years. And uh, so I'm, I consider myself relatively new, kind of a baby still. And I was lucky enough to find secular OA because of the pandemic, because everything went online and I started seeing more meetings for me to go to. So I didn't, I was lucky in that I didn't have to wait too long to get into the secular stream of things. And I, I really credit that community for my, my abstinence and my program. Right now I have two sponsees and thank you to everybody who's doing service today. Hi, my name is Jenny. I'm a compulsive eater and sugar addict. I've been in OA for five and a half years and I've always had a secular program. I was lucky enough to live within 15 minutes drive of the two Freethinker meetings, Emeryville, California, which still exists. We're online Mondays and Wednesday evening, six o'clock Pacific time. And it's always been a secular program for me. When we first started our meetings, we were actually using alternative steps and reading alternative literature in addition to regular OA literature. But that's not allowed and we didn't know that. So don't do that at a regular meeting if you don't want to get in trouble. Right now I have three sponsees and they're all secular. Hi, I'm Kathy. I'm a compulsive overeater and a really serious sugar addict. That's my main issue. I came into this program very reluctantly in November of 18. And the reluctance was because it was God oriented and I'm an atheist. So you know how desperate I was to come into these rooms because I really needed help. And I thought, well, let me try this. And I was in the regular meetings until the pandemic hit. So I was in for about 14, 15 months. And uh, then during the pandemic, I found secular meetings. And I didn't know Jenny's existed all that time, but uh, I did find the secular meetings then. So, and that was such a relief because being an atheist, I needed to hear practical ways for me to get abstinent. It, it could not be God helped me because 
that doesn't point me in any direction I can follow. So I needed steps. Well, I do this when I have a craving and I do this when I have a craving. It isn't, I turn it over to God when I have a craving. It's no, I walk out the door and I take a walk. I go with the dog. I do something, something to divert myself. So those are the things that I needed to hear. And that's when my abstinence became much easier because I now had all of these steps that I could follow. I have had over my um, three years, I've had six sponsees. I currently have three. They are all secular. And um, just to plug for being a sponsor, nothing keeps you on track than helping somebody else stay on track. So anybody who's even thinking about sponsoring, do it. It is so good for both of you. Thanks. Hello, my name is Stephen S. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm very happy to be here today. I'm the type of compulsive overeater who isolated and I used food to avoid the pain of life. And by doing so, I, I kept myself from living at all. I was just existing. I like to read this at the beginning whenever I'm sharing. It's important for my recovery to say that today is an expression of my opinion and is not about me. I am the same as everyone here that has a desire to stop overeating. I'm a member of OA and grateful to share what I've learned. I started in traditional OA in 2014 for less than a year. At the end of that time, I ended up taking my, my will back and, and not following the program. I ended up going to my highest weight yet, which was 284. I'm currently holding at about 60 pounds uh, on, uh, down from that. And I came back to program at the end of 2018 when I had um, pretty serious loss in my life and pretty much everything was, was crashing down around me. I've been in the program since then. I've been abstinent since uh, December of 2019. And then somewhere in the beginning of 2020, I decided to look into secular programs because I wasn't gelling with the, the religiosity of everything. I actually started working on putting a website together and my intro into all this was coming, reading about secular AA and the history of that. And, you know, over the course of that year, I discovered the secular um, uh, meetings and I pretty much stopped working on my own thing and just joined into, into this group. The only thing I'll say about myself is that I look to um, work the program secularly and I don't tell my sponsees how to do it their way. I have four sponsees right now. Two are secular and two are not. And my, my bent is that it's up to them to figure out what works for them. And I don't use the terms God or higher power when I am talking to them. Thank you for a great start. Now let's move on to question number two. How did you know when you were ready to be a sponsor? We'll start with Jenny, then Kathy, Steve, and then Ashley. Hi, everybody. Jenny, sugar addict again, compulsive eater. I kept hearing at meetings, you know, that you could sponsor up to the level of your own ability, which I assumed meant, you know, what step you were on. But I really didn't feel comfortable with that. I wanted to have finished all of the steps before I started. I just felt like it was overwhelming me for me to think about, like, I don't even know what the steps are. Like, I can't even, even now I can't rattle them off. But I, you know, like, I'm not even sure what the steps are. And I don't know that much about OA. And I just felt like if I had a sponsee, they would be somehow looking towards me as being an expert. So I did wait. And it took me 18 months to finish the steps the first time I went through them. 
And I raised my hand at a meeting, you know, as soon as I felt ready, saying that I would be available to sponsor. And I got a sponsee right away. And then I stopped raising my hand because I felt like one person was all I could deal with at the time. I also prepared myself by getting an OA sponsorship packet and reading all the brochures. A lot of those are really God-centric. Today, after the meeting, we're going to let people order a free copy of OA's How to Sponsor, which is a pretty secular piece of OA literature. I don't know, just reading that, all that material, though, I'm the type of person that needs to do a lot of studying and research before she feels, you know, comfortable. I also spoke with my sponsor about sponsoring, and she felt like I was ready to go. I do a lot of service, so three sponsees is really, at this point, is all I can handle. And that's, I guess, how I knew I was ready, was that I'd finish the steps. Pass. I never felt ready to start sponsoring. When my sponsor told me after we finished the 12 steps that now I was ready to sponsor, my first reaction was panic. I can't possibly do that. I can't possibly help somebody else. What are you talking about? You're crazy. So I dragged my feet for several months, you know, and the question that came up in meetings, you know, who's a sponsor? Raise your hand. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I did not raise my hand. And then uh, in one of my secular meetings, I established a connection with a person in the meeting, and she asked if I would be her sponsor. <laughs> and, and I talked it over with my sponsor, and um, she kind of brought me back down to earth. My, my first feeling was, I'm going to be responsible for somebody else's abstinence. And, you know, I have to work all I can do to keep my abstinence going sometimes. How will I have energy to help somebody else with theirs? But she assured me that, of course, everyone's abstinence is up to them. It's not up to me. And that settled me down a little bit. So I really understood that my role as a sponsor is to listen and to encourage and to occasionally point out that someone is on an incorrect path and will send them spiraling back into overeating if they follow it. Every once in a while, someone will say to me, well, I really want to eat this red food and, you know, I'm just going to have some. So you have to take a moment and think what will help them understand that that's their addict brain talking. It's not their best self making their best decision. So Once I learned that all I'm there to do is be a guide, I'm there to share what worked for me, not to try and make it work for them. I go to a lot of meetings, so I can also share what I've heard works for other people, even if that's a technique I don't use. One of my sponsees might not have heard of that or thought of that, and that might be the way for them to go. So I was was quite scared. Thank you, Kay. But as I said before, it is so rewarding. Thank you. Hi again, Stephen S. How did I know? Um, I remember being told when I was still working the steps that I could be a food sponsor for somebody. That was, I think I was only on step three or four at the time, and I didn't feel comfortable with that. And so I never ended up doing that. When I made my way through the through fourth and fifth step, you know, I was told that I could take on a sponsee which I did. And my first one is a secular sponsee. 
and I, I had a similar reaction. I went like, okay, let me just stop here. And part of that was because just the needs, I have a, a special needs sponsee and we do everything verbally. Uh, so writing is not something he can do. And I felt because we do, we do talk three times a day that, you know, that really was just about all I can handle because I wanted to meet him halfway. Uh, he was willing to do it and I was willing to be there for him to do that. So actually to answer the question, I, I kind of feel like I'm ready now, now that I've got several sponsees, all of which are working the steps at the moment. I feel comfortable that I can be there for my sponsee. And I'm also doing it in a way that I know and they understand that this is a, a bi-directional thing. We're, we're both helping each other. We're both there for each other. I've had times when, you know, my, my mind's in a really weird place and I'll get a call from one of them. and you know, it, it snaps me right back. So the benefits, not only the fact that it's part of, of you know, passing the message is um, sort of how I came to, to knowing that I was, I was ready for this. Thank you. Ashley, recovering compulsive overeater here again. Um, okay, so I have to repeat the question so I can recenter myself from all that really great information from the previous three speakers. Okay, how did you know when you were ready to be a sponsor? I could probably tell you more easily how I knew I wasn't ready. <laughs> I remember being around step. First of all, I should preface by saying I am brand new to sponsoring. I agreed to be on the panel if it was a useful perspective to have somebody up here talking about sponsoring from the perspective of having only been a sponsor for about the last two, two and a half months. So you should know that as I, as I talk to you. I got an invitation from some, uh, some of my secular fellows to attend a Monday, uh, for me, noon meeting, that's Eastern Standard Time, that is kind of a workshop for uh, secular sponsors um, to, to help people sort of, uh, you know, look at sponsoring through various um, aspects and work on some skills to develop, you know, like active listening and things like that, in the hopes to develop some some new secular sponsors. So I started I started going to that when I could because I just had it in my mind that at some point you know I am going to have to wrestle with this question more personally. And then by the time I got to step 10 after I had done, you know, my my amends and I started looking at daily inventories, I had built a relationship with a peer and um she asked me to be her sponsor. And, and I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I cannot, I cannot do that because I, I don't sponsor yet. <laughs> I said, I would totally say yes, if I did, but I don't. And, but what I can offer is why don't we just, why don't we make a commitment to talk once a week? And so we've been doing that for um, six months, probably. And we both get a lot out of it, but it was, it was soon after she asked, I thought I really felt the pull to get ready. And so I cruised secularovereaters.org. Um, they have material uh, that I, I combed through about being a sponsor. And um, I talked to people, both who were sponsors and who were thinking about becoming sponsors, you know, what, what was roadblocks for them. Uh, or what was the thing that tipped them over into, into being ready? Thank you. 
Thank you, everyone. Now moving on to the third question. What do you expect from your sponsees? We'll start with Steve, then Ashley, Jenny, and then Kathy. Thank you, Carolina. Stephen S., Compulsive Overeater. So my, my approach really comes from them. I expect them to be honest with me. And I expect them to be willing to, to move forward. And by that, I mean to try. If I, if I get a sincere feeling or a sincere intent of them that, they, that they're, they're doing their best to work the program and to be honest about what they're doing, not just with themselves, but with me, that is enough for me to say, okay, I, I have a good framework to work with. I also, I also expect to talk to them at least once a week for, for more than just a few minutes. The connection that I, I need, that I think as a sponsor, a sponsee, if we're just texting back and forth and we maybe you know, talk for a few minutes here and there, it's hard for me to get a sense of who they are, where they are, and what they need. So I also start with uh, taking time when I'm asked if I will sponsor saying, okay, let's talk and get a sense of where each other is and make sure this is a good fit. I let them know where I'm at. I let them know that I identify as agnostic and I don't use religious means in, in my sponsoring. And I'll see what comes from that. So I don't think I've ever said, yes, you know, we're going to, you're going to start today when I'm asked. It's something that either that, that connection is formed or it's not. I've had other people I've spoken to where I thought I had a good discussion with them and you know, maybe I don't hear from them again. And that's okay because ultimately they make the choice whether to sponsor me or not. Fortunately, I've never had to, to choose to end a relationship. They just they tend to sort of wander off and I'm thinking, okay, I hope they're well. And, and I still keep them on my, uh, on my rotation. I'll call them every now and then just to see how they're doing. I had one person who actually started talking to me again after I did that. So uh, I have to build a connection I have to be honest with them and get honesty from them. And I have to get a sense that they're really willing to move forward and, and work on the program. Thank you. What do I expect from my sponsees? Well, since I'm brand new, my expectations might be low. <laughs> I, uh, I do have conversations with them ahead of time, even before we decide to partner up. And part of that is I want to make sure that they have a desperateness, like they're, they need it. They need a sponsor. They're, they're clear about that because I think that signals a willingness to work the program. And I tell them, I, I worked the program, how my sponsor worked with me. I'd like to work the step. I actually, so my two sponsees are very different from each other. One person has been in the program for 30 years. The other person is just starting out. And so I have to work with them very differently. So the person who has just started out, obviously we're, we're going to work through the steps together and do that, you know, be in contact regularly. So we talk twice a week for half an hour each time, but the, the other person what can I offer her about the steps? <laughs> you know, she's, she's been doing this a whole lot longer than I have. So I listen. And what I expect is 
that she is working working with the the spiritual principles and traditions of the program and she is identifying where in her life she has where the addiction is going because I, I firmly believe that you know once you get your food under control other things might start to bubble up for you and so that's what we work on together is you know what are the what are the the defenses that are coming up how can she move forward by practicing something that's more the opposite of that um, that impulse so um also, I like to make sure that the, the folks that I talk to have an understanding of what a, like a bottom line abstinence would be. So, and for the new person, I, I definitely encouraged her to start off very, very simply because we, we have our whole lives to work this program. So start off with something that you're willing to do that you can manage. Thank you. Yes, you're next. Okay. <laughs> I'm confused too. So I tell people that I'm a step sponsor. I don't really want to deal with like their daily food. I don't want to talk about food a lot, but I really feel like the steps is they're really, really important. And I also always start out by saying, I'll be your temporary sponsor because I want to make sure that this relationship is going to work. And for me, being a temporary sponsor means working steps one through three. And I want to make sure, you know, that I have a good vibe with them and that they have a good vibe with me. And usually after those first three steps, you know, we have developed a solid relationship and, you know, want to move forward. I do also feel like I want to encourage people, all people, whether they're my sponsees or not, to make connections with other people besides their sponsors. So I really feel that accountability buddies are important, you know, that people make friends with other OA people that they can talk to so that me being the sponsor, it's not, you know, I have to do everything for them because something could happen to me. You know, everybody needs like, you know, a bunch of recovery buddies out there, not just their sponsor. So I always do work the steps. And even if somebody's worked the steps before, like I have one person who's from another program and she's already worked the steps there, but we always start with working the steps. And right now, Two of my sponsees have finished working the steps. So with one of them, we're reading the abstinence book, which, you know, we read like three stories a week and then talk about what we liked about it. Those are pretty God heavy. So it kind of gets on our nerves sometimes. Um, And we also spend two weeks out of the month studying the traditions right now. And one of those weeks, we actually do make collage together, like some art piece that represents the traditions because we both really like art. One person is working the steps and that's what we're in the middle of right now. And then the other person that I have worked the steps with, um, she and I are reading Russell Brand's Recovery, Freedom from Our Addiction. So we're reading outside literature. And I just think like for my expectations of my sponsees is that I expect them to show up on time. You know, if they can't make it, they need to let me know. I'm one of those people has a hard time with people that show up late. So I expect them to show up on time or give me notice and I expect them to be working their program. And that's either, you know, doing the steps or doing some kind of writing or some kind of reading. So it's not just like um, an hour to chat. And the way I work with my sponsees too, is that we meet once a week for an hour and we've been meeting by Zoom mostly, but one person doesn't like Zoom. So we meet on the phone, but I also meet her face-to-face 
um, in a cafe once in a while. Thanks. So I also, when someone approaches me and says, would you please sponsor me? I tell them the first thing we're going to do is talk for a little while about what their expectations are of me and what they can expect from me. And what I want more than anything is honesty. Because if you're not being honest with me, then I can't possibly help you in your recovery. If you're lying to me and yourself, then I'm off in the wrong direction because uh, I think it's going one way where it actually isn't. So honesty is of paramount importance. And just like with Jenny, so is punctuality. I am... I have a horse ranch that I work by myself. And so my time is very limited. So if I tell you that we're going to talk at six in the morning, and a lot of people like to call me at six in the morning, and that's fine. If I tell you we're going to talk at six in the morning, you can't call me at 615 because I have already given up on you and I'm out the door to do chores. So um, punctuality is important. And also the willingness. I need to feel that that sponsee is willing at this moment to start working the program, to start taking a hard look at the food behaviors that are causing problems, and that they have a willingness to look at different ways to handle them. So if I get the willingness and I get the commitment for honesty and punctuality, then it really just comes to, is my style right for them? Some people need to be under a thumb. I am not a thumb-wielding person. And so the self-discipline needs to come from them. I'm their sounding board and their cheerleader and their trusted advisor. Um, I also always assure every sponsee that it does not matter what they tell me, they're not going to get any judgment from me. Even if they've done the same thing 35 times, I'm not going to sit there and judge them because I've done the same thing 36 times. So I'm not going to sit in judgment on them. I'm just going to help them and encourage them and let them know that even though I've done it 36 times, I have been abstinent for 30 of the 36 months that I have been in OA. So it can work. And I like to hope that I can make them believe that. Thanks. Thank you. Now we're moving on to question number four. What do you work on first with your sponsees? This time we'll start with Kathy, Steve, Ashley, and Jenny. Thanks. What I work on first depends on where my sponsee is in the program. Just like with others, I've got people who have much more experience than I have, and I have people who are brand new. So If you are a brand new person, I like to start first with a food plan. I need them to think about what their red foods are, because that's important to me. I can't have my red foods in the house. That's been part of my success is making sure that those things I eat addictively are not around for me to pick them up and start eating them addictively. So we talk about what their food behaviors are for the more experienced people It's a little different because they know what their food plan is. They know what their red foods are. And so I just ask them, what do you need from me? You know, what, what direction do you need to go in that you need help with? And so that determines what we do. But the new people, 
that is first and foremost. Let's identify your red foods. Let's look at your behaviors. Let's see when and why you compulsively overeat. And then those are the things that we will start looking at and seeing what we can do to make the changes necessary to uh, get you into recovery. And um, that's really the simplest thing I have to say on that. That's first. Thanks. I'm sure Gladys is being recorded. I'm going to want to listen to all this afterwards. Stephen S. Compulsive Overeater. First, and, and all the, well, no, I'd say three out of the four sponsees I had were not straight up newbie beginners. But I use the, the 12 and 12 in the workbook to, uh, it's how I went through the steps that I liked the best. And in doing that, by going through the questions in the workbook, it outlines their uh, food behaviors, their uh, problem foods, and some of them have actually done them before. And then all I end up doing is reviewing the, the questions that they've answered already. So, you know, it, it sort of starts, like I said, with, with getting to know them, discussing where, where each other is at. And I haven't had anyone jump in like later on in the steps. So far, everyone I've had has started at one. And one could be like one, you know, one chat, one afternoon. It, it could be very brief. I like how the, the 12 and 12 is structured, where the questions relate to different chapters and, and passages in, in each chapter. But if, yeah, I guess to say that, you know, knowing what their food plan is, if they have one, um, is, a, is usually one of the first questions that I ask. And if they don't have something that they're comfortable with, I encourage them to uh, meet with a professional <clears throat> or, um, you know, do something uh, with a nutritionist or, or dietitian so that they feel comfortable with what they have. It's rare that I ever make any recommendation on what they should have or what they, how often they should eat. Um, they get to set their abstinence, but if they, you know, if they say that their, you know, fast food is part of their rotation, I'd be kind of like, okay, is that something that you're working out of your rotation? Cause you can't stop it yet. I haven't had anything like that, but that would cause me to pause. Um, and ask if they were being serious about what they were doing. With that, I'll pass. Okay. I think I'm third. Uh, what do you work on first with your sponsees? So the way my sponsor worked with me was, which is what I'm, I'm loosely following, is uh, she had me write down what, what my compulsive food story is, what it has been for me over the course of my lifetime. And so after building, you know, some initial trust with a new person, I asked her if she could write that for me. And I, I told her that my sponsor had asked me to do that. And the purpose was so that I could get to know her and what her story is, because I think you have to, you have to know where somebody's coming from in order to, in order to help them. So that, you know, late, later on when they're, when they're reporting out things that are going on in their lives, you have some context to place that into. And the, the second thing I, I get them, I, I ask this, I ask my sponsee to do is um, read either um, the dignity of choice from this pamphlet for uh, new people. Where do I start? There's also a, a pamphlet completely devoted to dignity of choice, 
but there is a little paragraph in the first one that talks about dignity of choice. And I just share with them that when I, uh, the first few meetings I attended in OA, I got, I was given those pamphlets and um, I read that paragraph or the few paragraphs and uh, I immediately knew where it was that I lost my dignity when I was eating and that that was a really powerful moment for me. And I just sketched out what, what those foods were and what those situations were, what the, what the context was. And that became my, um, you know, red light, yellow light foods. And so I, I've asked my sponsee to do the same so we can start building out what will be her bottom line abstinence. I also like to make sure that they're willing to consult a professional if at some point they need it, whether that's uh, a therapist, a nutritionist, certainly a nutritionist for getting your, you know, food plan together is really helpful. And I'm still working with my nutritionist on mine. So, <laughs> but that's, that's what I tend to focus on. I usually the first meeting I have with a new sponsee, they're really freaked out about their food. And I've only worked with compulsive overeaters so far and being one myself, I totally understand that. So I kind of go over the basics of what like the food plan and abstinence are in the first meeting and just, you know, try and encourage them to maybe just try having three meals a day with two snacks and nothing in between and not worry about anything else, but just kind of, you know, just to get them for their first week going. Um, I also, same pamphlet, holding it up. Um, where do I start? This is for people who've been in OA for a while, they used to have a newcomer packet, which was an envelope filled with brochures. But now this is the only, this is the one thing that they have. And this is actually available to be sent to your sponsee for free from secularovereaters.org. But it goes over in detail what food plans are and what abstinence are. And so I asked them to get this brochure right away. And that's their first homework assignment is to read the brochure. And then when we meet again, you know, we go over any questions that they have about it. And usually, you know, everybody, I just reassure them that their food plan and their abstinence is going to change over time. You know, what they choose this week does not have to be what's going to be happening for the rest of their lives, but just to, you know, try and work on something just to start getting a handle on their food. I also ask them to write up a list of their red light, yellow light, green light foods. And I'm not sure people know what that is, but red light foods would be foods that you should never eat because they, you know, cause you to have addictive behavior around food. And for me, that's like candy and sugar. And then the yellow light foods are things that you have to be careful of. And for me, that'd be something like peanut butter. I can eat it, but I can only eat it in measured amounts. And then green light foods are like salads, you know, things I could eat and not be crazy about. And I also like Ashley, I have them write their food history. And that might be you know, an assignment that takes like several weeks, but it's just something to be working on. And I feel also like it's you know, they're starting to share personal information with me and it's starting to build a bond. I also just kind of go over the tools with them, the OA tools, and I encourage them to go to at least three meetings a week um, and to start finding meetings that feel good to them. Because I only work with secular people, you know, I really encourage them to go to at least one secular meeting. I mean, you can definitely get, you know, all OE meetings, you can get something out of, but sometimes you just have to be with your peeps and it just makes things easier. If you know, there's some place where you can go and breathe and not be worried about, you know, the answer to everything is turning it over to God. And then, you know, after a couple of weeks, then I talk about how 
we're going to be working the steps because that's how I, I do really feel like I'm a step sponsor. And I think we're going to have a question about that. So I'll talk about that later. Pass. Thank you. Now moving on to question number five, how do you work the steps with your secular sponsees, especially with regard to the traditional 12 step concept of God or higher power? This time we'll start with Ashley, then Jenny, Kathy, and then Steve. So with my new sponsee, brand new, we talked a lot. So she is just starting to work the steps. And so I haven't had a lot of experience here, but we had lengthy conversations while we were deciding if we were a good match about the concept of working a secular program. What does that mean? And basically what I what I conveyed to her was that everybody works the program with very, in very practical ways. If, if you just, if you just listen for the practicality in their program, you will see that they work the tools, they use the tools, they work the steps, they do the homework. The only thing that's really different about a secular approach is that there is an absence of, um, at least for me, mystical thinking that, you know, some, someone or something is going to save me. That's my job with the help of my community. And so having said that, I still think that the, um, the, the OA 12 and 12 is useful, the, the scaffolding of the steps. And the content that's there is very useful. And I, I, do, uh, I do think it's important to read it. But how we've decided we're going to proceed is I talked to her about alternative interpretations of the steps. So we're going to, she's going to read and we're going to discuss the, um, she's, she's going to read an alternative step and find her way and what she, what speaks to her, what resonates with her and then read the 12 and 12 at the same time. So we'll, we'll go through that process together and um, talk about where the practical parts of the program are in each step. Thanks, I pass. So I like to work the steps with the OA traditional book and I'm lazy, so I have everybody get the workbook because I do really believe it's important to go you know, a thorough and searching, maybe not moral, but a thorough and searching inventory. But I also encourage everyone to find a secular book that they can read along with what we're reading. And so one of my favorites is The Alternative 12 Steps, A Secular Guide to Recovery. It's pretty thin. It's written by a psychologist. And it just really, like, I don't even worry with these secular books. You don't really even have to worry about the concept of God. You know, you can just they help you interpret like what they're trying to say in the OA books. Mm. And I really even feel like the OA 12 and 12, they stopped talking about food pretty early on in there. So it's just kind of like OA's version on how to work the steps. It really doesn't even talk a lot about food. And for me, you know, it's more of a religious mystical based kind of way of working the steps. I really do feel like since we're all members of OA, it's good to be exposed to all of the literature. So I, I do think it's important. One of the things also is that I really encourage them to look at the alternative 12 steps, because then you don't have to get all hung up about God. You know, um, 
like tradition or step three, the traditional version says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Like for me, right off the bat, oh my gosh, God, and then a God with a penis. Like that's just not going to compute. If there was even a God, they would probably be genderless. So the alternative version for free thinkers is made a decision to entrust our will and our lives to the care of the collective wisdom and resources of those who have searched before us. And that is just like a very wonderful interpretation of that step. And that's something that makes sense. Collective wisdom, you know, we go to the meetings and we find out about our collective wisdom. We read other books for collective wisdom. We talk to other secular members for collective wisdom. So I just, I really point them to like another set of steps and ask them to, you know, look for a secular book. Maybe they already know of one they want to use. And if they don't, I really do like the alternative 12 steps. She, the woman who wrote it's a psychologist and, you know, she interprets stuff like spiritual awakening is self-awareness. And it's like, oh my gosh, like what a concept, self-awareness, like that's like major for us to have self-awareness. We're eating so much, you know, we don't, we aren't aware of ourselves. So it's, it's just really important. And another thing is that in this book, there's a lot of God questions. And so I work with them on like rewriting, writing the questions. So it's not about God, because a lot of the time when I was doing this, I just write, you know, no answer, because it would be a question about God. Well, if you reframe it, you know, you can probably find a way of, you know, asking the question that doesn't have to do with God, but that you could get something out of it. Thanks. I am more of a tools person than a step person, uh, because the tools are practical, step-by-step ways of how to do things. That being said, I believe everyone should have a well-rounded education. And so my sponsees who have the means, I have them get the OA 12 and 12, which absolutely makes the hackles on the back of my neck rise, but there is wisdom in between the God talk. And I also have them get the Martha Cleveland uh, alternate 12 steps and the little book. So we do go through the steps and we go through all of those books concurrently. So they're reading all of step one and they can interpret exactly the wording of their their own personal step one by taking ideas from all three books or making something up entirely differently on their own. And step two is the same way because even amongst all the God stuff, there is still some good collective wisdom. Um, I have a very visceral reaction to turning things over to God. And, and I tend to throw everything away from that sentence when it ends with that, even though there is something valuable that came beforehand. So I work with my sponsees on that to make sure that they get a well-rounded step education at the same time that I'm working with them on their toolbox to make sure that uh, they understand the practical application of these philosophies and new thinking ideas that they're learning in the steps. Uh, So that has worked the best for me when I was going through it. And it seems to work for my sponsees too, when they incorporate the tools to use along with their reading. Uh, I I don't have any God-oriented sponsees and I would approach them if I ever got requested to be a sponsor for a God-oriented person. I would do it as Stephen has said he does it. I wouldn't say God and higher power to them myself, but I would certainly happily listen 
to to their uh, God talk if that's what they needed from me to do to get their abstinence. Thanks. Stephen S., back for more. So a couple things about how I deal with the, the concept of God or higher power. I'm kind of drawn to the, the, spiritual con- the spiritual principles or concepts for each of the steps. So step one being honesty, two being hope. When we get to three for faith, I interpret that as faith that this program, that these tools, that this process will work. It doesn't have to be construed in a, in a, a religious um, uh, type of, of uh, belief. And I break down the, the process of the steps into three categories. There's, there's the physical abstinence, having a food plan. There's the behavioral part, which is changing the habits that I have or for my sponsees and uh, the reactions that, that occur because of that. And all that is great, but it's kind of dry. So the third part has to be some kind of inspiration. And I take that inspiration from the connection with other fellows with success that, that I have and that my sponsees have. And that's the framework from which I use to, to work through the steps. I also use the, the 12 and 12 in the workbook like so many of us have. And I also, as someone posted in the chat, I use the, uh, the little big book quite a lot. <clears throat> and I rewrote the steps for myself. As an example, step 11, I rewrote instead of starting with sought through prayer and meditation, sought through mindful inquiry, directed thought and meditation to improve our connection with awareness, seeking only for clarity to find the healthy path in life and the power to carry that out. So it's been a, for me, the 12 steps are a process of discovery. And by using the texts and using the questions, I try to guide my sponsees in a way to find their own path. It's not for me to rewrite the steps for them. It's for them to figure out what works for them. And uh, with all those things, hopefully I I get them to a a place that they can uh, move forward honestly, but also, you know, with a a sense of of, uh, success and and comfort. With that, I pass. Thank you. Now we're up for question number six. How do you prepare your sponsees to be sponsors? First up is Jenny, then Kathy, Steve, and Ashley. Even though, like I was talking about earlier, OA says you can sponsor up to, you know, the level of your ability. Since I didn't believe that for myself, I don't start talking to my sponsees about sponsoring until they finished the 12 steps. And usually when they're done with the 12 steps, I say, congratulations. And then I'm like, now you can be a sponsor. And I buy a copy of the... OA sponsor packet and I send it to them and just to kind of give them encouragement, they give them some, you know, readings to mull over. And I don't know, I, I have to say I'm a real pusher for my, since my sponsees are secular to take on other secular sponsees themselves, because we don't have very many secular sponsors available, but you know, people find themselves, however they find themselves. And I also ask them to think about what kind of sponsor they want to be. You know, they've had my experience, but they don't have to follow what I've done. A lot of like my way is, you know, one hour of speaking a week. And then if they have kind of like an emergency, they're free, you know, to text me, but I'm not, I don't want to get like calls every day from people. I have a busy life and I want them to my people, you know, my sponsees to find other people that they can call, you know, use the, we care list, 
that you get at meetings and call other people. And I also point them to the Secular Overeaters website because we do, as somebody else mentioned, there's a lot of resources on there. There's um, a lot of podcasts about, you know, how to, about listening to different sponsors talking about how they sponsor their sponsees. And I think that's interesting. And that's all I've got. Thanks, Pass. Oh, I'm next. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I do not yet have any, because I haven't been sponsoring for very long, I do not yet have anyone who's already gone through all of the 12 steps. But I always encourage, as we all do, is to make sure that they have multiple other people that they can talk with, that they can reach out to. And um, I'm part of recovery circles. So I talk about recovery circles and I stress how that those are really small groups of people all co-sponsoring each other. So when they tell me about outreach they've done or things that they've discussed with these other people that they've brought into their lives, when I have heard them say something insightful to this other people, I always say, well, that would be a wonderful thing for a sponsor to say to somebody. That's great insight. And so I don't ever push anybody to say, this is what your job is when we're done here is to sponsor. I encourage them and let them know that they already have the good instincts to help somebody when someone has reached out to them. And so we go through the steps. We talk about sponsoring in a very non-pushy way. Uh, But I do stress to them always that when they thank me for my time, I say, no, thank you. Because, you know, I was thinking of going into the kitchen and just eating just because I wanted to. But you and I talked and that reaffirmed my abstinence. And so I let them know that being a sponsor is very, very helpful to me with my abstinence as it is to almost everyone who sponsors. I've never heard anyone say, well, as soon as I hang up with my sponsee, I go and binge. So, you know, that that isn't what happens. What happens is you're guiding somebody and reinforcing in your own head the right path for you to take too. So it's it's very helpful. And that's what I share with them as in just to plant the seed that their abstinence will become easier and more directed when they're helping someone else with their abstinence too. So I'm back being a cheerleader. Thanks. Stephen S. Um, great question. I, I don't think I've taken a thought to preparing them like as like an overt thing. My concern is with getting them through the, the 12 steps. So I, I think the best I can do to prepare them as a sponsor is to make sure that I give them all that I can as a sponsor so that, that they learn as much as they can about themselves and their process. One of the things that I like to do is when I'm going through the questions in the workbook is I will keep mine open on my screen while they're theirs is on a separate screen and they're talking to me about what they meant by what they wrote. And often I will relate to them what I put down in my, in my answers to certain things to show where I was at the time and and what it meant to me and how I dealt with. There have been some really great discussions I've had with a sponsee where I explained to them how I answered a question. And I, I don't have any examples off the top here, but we looked at a question completely different from each other. 
And it, it turned into, you know, we didn't go any further in the, in the, in the workbook that day. We just sp spent the next half hour talking about how we answered that differently. So the best I can do to prepare them is to, to help them with their process and to, re to remind them that the only difference between them and I is that I'm finished where I've gone through and, and they're working their way through. And we're both one bite away from losing our abstinence each. So we're the same people just at different places in our journey. And that's really what it's about for me. It's a journey. And like my, uh, my martial arts teacher would, I, you know, he would say, oh, okay, you're a black belt now. Now you're a serious student. Are you ready to get started? And that's what getting through the 12 steps is. You're now ready to take on the challenge of moving forward in, in a uh, complete way that I pass. Okay. So I guess it's no surprise that I probably have not talked to anybody yet about sponsoring other people. But I do know that I attended some uh, talk, a workshop about how to become a sponsor. And I asked a question at the end. I said, so after what step do you tell your sponsees that they're ready to sponsor? And the answer that came back was, <laughs> as soon as they finish the fifth step, I slap them on the back and say, you're ready to go sponsor. <laughs> and the blood must have drained from my face because the person who answered the question, I was just, I think she could see that I was horrified because I'm not good at keeping that kind of stuff inside. <laughs> but I, you know, and by that time I was already at like step eight and thinking I'm a real loafer, but I really do think that you have to come into it when you're ready. And I, I would just echo some of the things I heard the other panelists say that the peer support, you know, getting your, your feet wet in peer support, being there for, for somebody else and them being there for you is really, I think, an important dynamic to involve yourself in because it really gets you ready to, to be a sponsor, to support somebody as they, as they work their way through the program. And like other people said, find answers for themselves. And that was that was how I knew I was ready was uh, when I told somebody, gosh, I'm, I'm not sponsoring yet. And then the next few weeks went by and I thought, well, why, why am I not? Because yeah, what, why am I not? I, I have, I have things I can share. I can support, I can listen, I can serve as a resource. And that was really the thing that, that made me think, well, maybe I can do this. So yeah, thank you. Thank you to the other panelists for giving me lots of good ideas. I passed. Thank you, secular sponsors. Now we'd like to open up for questions for our panelists, and we will continue to have a two-minute time limit for sharing. So who would like to ask our panelists a question? Hi, this is Debbie Compulsory. I have a question. So as a sponsor, if you're working 12 steps with someone, you get to the end of it, then what? I mean, other than doing the step or talking about food plans, what other, what else is there to talk about? What else is there to, you know, to do? <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Everybody can take that. But I usually start in on the traditions because nobody knows what the hell the traditions are. And there are no questions, you know, no workbook thing about that really. But I do that. And usually... All my people are readers, and so we just find some other recovery book to read. So either it's an OA book or, you know, a 12-step book. That already say, like, one of my people and I are reading Russell Brand's book, Recovery. I mean, he's sort of a secular guy, and 
another person were reading the abs the OA abstinence book. So we just kind of, you know, I asked them what they need help with. And like my one of my people really felt like she wasn't getting a grasp on abstinence. And so she wanted to read the abstinence book and we're almost done and we still don't have the answer, you know, but it's still been like a really great process. So I just, I would say like find other literature. I personally think, you know, we don't get enough exposure to the traditions. And so I think that's important. And what does, what does everybody else have to say? Practically just what you said, because once we get done with step 12, we go on to the traditions. And we also read all the alternative literature that uh, we can afford to buy. So, and, and, and always there, what you can talk about the first two questions, how's your mood? How's your food? So, uh, you know, you, you always talk about what triggers happened. What were you successful with? There's, you can use a formula that that leads you into other discussions about the abstinence, about the issues with food, about uh, whatever is on their mind. So um, just because it's not formal and structured with, with the reading, there is other reading that you can do and other questions that need answering. I was just going to quickly add that, although I'm, I'm not even there with my own sponsor yet, I'm on, I'm on step 11 and I, I want to stay there until I get a solid reflection practice going for myself. But we're going to do, like, like Jenny said, we're going to look at the traditions next. But with my sponsee, who's been in the program for 30 years, she's constantly working on her character defenses. And just for example, like one of mine is being impulsive. And how does that, how does that affect my life every day? I can give you like five examples. <laughs> and so that kind of stuff I feel like never goes, never goes away. I, at least for me so far, I, I still struggle with the um, protective habits that I had that involve food. So I, I think I could always find something to discuss with my sponsor. Yeah, just a thought. I don't have a, a whole lot to say because my, my sponsees are the furthest along is step four. But from my side, once they're done with step 12, once I was done with step 12, being that that's about service and looking at how the steps and how the principles can be applied to other things, I started doing uh, using the tools and making action lists for other things in my life, dealing with, with debt, dealing with health, dealing with uh, you know anything that I had not resolved before. I actually looked into another 12-step program because certain things became aware to me at that point. And as I said, it's it getting it to the end of the steps is kind of like a it's it's a a discovery. So I reflected and thought, well, what else is holding me back? What else do I need to work on? And you know, I think that's something I may impart to my sponsees when they get there. I wanted to add one other thing, with which is that. With one of my people, we're almost done reading a book and we are probably going to take a break from that. And so we're going to do like a daily inventory or 10th step thing. So, you know, she will write up, I don't know if everybody knows what those are, but, you know, you could do like the four, the four G's or you could do the ABC thing, or there's, there's a bunch of different formats you can do for the daily inventories. And that's what I'm personally working on right now with my own sponsor. I've been through the steps twice. I've studied the traditions with her. We read a book together. 
I'm feeling overwhelmed. So I want something a little more easy, but it's still doing a little work. So I do like a, the AEIOU 10 step at least once a week. And I share that with her pass. I also have a question. So have you ever had to fire a sponsee or the other way around? Has, uh, have you ever been fired um, by a sponsee? And if there are other sponsors present who are not on the panel, you're also welcome to join in. I have been fired. I have been fired because I was too lenient. I've had people just kind of fritter away. Like there was this one woman who was required to go to OA because she was getting a gastric bypass and she needed to be dealing with her compulsive eating. She only stayed with me as long as it took for her to get into, you know, get the surgery. And then she dropped out. I feel like the less serious people, they, I've had a couple of them. They've just like dropped off on their own. I call them once. It's not my responsibility to follow up on them. I mean, one call, you know, to make sure everything's okay. But yeah, I haven't been fired, but I've definitely had, I've been ghosted. Um, I have a similar, I've never been fired as a sponsor, but I was fired as a sponsee. <laughs> so that was, I remember I had called my sponsor and I'd said that I, I had gotten up late that day. And I think the words I used were, I don't have a plan for today. And this was at the end of, you know, a number of things that I was not following and Uh, they actually just said, look, you know, I, I, you know, if this is, you know, the way you're going to be, I can't be your sponsor anymore. And I was kind of taken aback by it and said, okay, you know, I, I felt like it wasn't that big a deal, but I found out later how, how much of a deal it was to be on my own. So that's been my experience. I was ghosted once too. Okay. And um, I'll share. I talked to my sponsor recently. I said, are there any requirements you have of your sponsees? Oh, no, no, no. They're all suggestions. And I thought, I can't live that way. And I said, well, what about if, if one of your sponsees stops going to meetings? And she said, well, why would they stop going to meetings? I'm like, but I've had two or three people say that the meetings don't work for them. And that's their choice. If, you know, if really meetings don't work for them, but I have... I have let people go since then if they're not attending meetings because I, you know, I can only share from my own experience and I can only share what works for me. And it doesn't mean that they won't find somebody, a sponsor that's better suited for them, but I do have to make, draw some lines in terms of requirements. Hey everybody, it's Susanna. Sorry that I don't want to be on the video right now, but it's too early on a Sunday for me. <laughs> but uh, I just want to thank the panel because it was all very helpful because I am considering sponsoring. However, I feel unprepared. <laughs> and I also just want to say like, I've been in and out of OA rooms for 10 years and I've only seriously been in program for the last like 10-ish months. So I feel so new. So like guiding someone else feels hard right now. And so a lot of this information of like hearing different ways to do it is very helpful. And I just want to thank Jenny because it really resonated with me as far as like, I didn't feel ready until I finished the steps. Like I kind of, that's kind of been my thing and I'm, st I'm still like on step eight. And so I'm kind of like, once I finish all the steps, then I feel like I'll be ready to take the plunge. So anyways, thanks. Thank you. Uh, go ahead, please. Hi. Hi. I'm assuming that's me here. Yes, thank you. First of all, I want to thank everybody. And I just say for myself, I, I haven't sponsored anybody in OA. And I did have 
somebody who, as a, as a sponsor, who said he's going to get me through the steps quickly. And, um, and then he wants me sponsoring because I have, I sponsor in other fellowships. And it was just interesting though, because, and I appreciate so many different things that were said today. Actually, it took a lot of notes. And was one, my step sponsor, as great as he was for the steps in practicality with experience, strength and hope, uh, he didn't have, he didn't have the boundaries and the healthy to tell me what he didn't know or had never dealt with the situation. And he just, you know, he, he wasn't, he couldn't, he couldn't be honest and say, I have never dealt with that. Maybe you can reach out to someone so I could suggest this, or maybe reach out to other people about that. And that's the aspect of humility, which I've learned, but I've been on the victim, quote unquote, receiving end of this type of stuff, especially like, I mean, I'm, I'm coming off a 60 pound weight loss since December. And I realized I, I had my compulsive eating in May that I need to be here because the whack-a-mole of my other programs and, and a lot of my sponsees, the God stuff, they're ultra-Orthodox Jews and the God stuff gets in the way. And it's just, a lot of it's just basic trauma stuff. And whether atheists or agnostics are relevant, they need to get healthy and they don't get it. And, and I see that religion before recovery, especially with food, so many people with slips and relapses over the holidays. And it's just about like people, they're so technical into the food and the this and the that. And it's like the recovery is not there. And, and it's just great to hear that message that was echoed by more than one person on this panel. And, um, and I, I also want to say that the principles that, that are there. And, and for me, for me, I have a higher power, which is not my religion, like my God or my religion. So I, so I was able to form a higher power that works for me, that discipline. Um, there's a lot I can learn here and I'm grateful to be part of this group. Thanks. Thank you. Is there anyone else who'd like to share or ask our panelists a question? I have a question. Hi, I'm Melissa. Does a sponsee ever take you off track? Does a sponsee ever make you have renew your old food behaviors? That's one of my biggest fears. For me, Melissa, absolutely not, because I am not feeling whatever their compulsion is. I am seeing quite clearly the direction in which they're going. And so, no, it merely reinforces for me that that's not the right direction. And I always feel strengthened no matter how the conversation goes. I'd like to answer that. This is Stephen. I've never lost my abstinence over it but the first time my first sponsee had a crisis i was just like emotionally like what you know what do i do what, did i do okay i was really kind of beside myself because i was just hoping that i gave the right advice and that night i was just really ruminating over it so i ended up doing what i normally would do is i called my sponsor I called a fellow and, you know, I used my program to deal with that. So, you know, it, it didn't affect my abstinence, but it did bring up feelings because I guess I put myself in his place emotionally and I had to use my program to pull myself back to where, you know, balance was. I would have to say, I also take this as a cautionary tale. Like I have one sponsee who it's not my business to tell her how to eat, but I'm like, oh my God still kind of going after the sugar and gets into trouble. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't need to experience this myself because I can just hear what's going on. And I try and give as much encouragement as I can, but you know, it's really up to the person to like figure out what they're going to do. 
you can give as many suggestions as you want, but the people just have to be willing to do it. So I think I actually would, I, I'm more of like cautionary tale person. It's like, if I hear stuff from my sponsees, I'm like, Ooh, you know, I keep it that to myself, but I would be like, I, I don't want to do this. I don't know. I guess I just, you know, I'm really trying to be like a, I saw a quote somewhere about somebody being as a sponsor, being a loving witness. And I just really do try and listen. And, you know, when I do hear that they're going down what I would, you know, think of as a dangerous path, you know, I just ask them like, what do they think, you know, how do they think that's going to affect them or, you know, try and give them questions kindly that would help them think about it a little bit more. Thank you. Um, Chaim, you have your hand raised. Yeah, I was, I was inspired to ask a question and uh, it might have been addressed without black and white. I, I definitely heard some of it, but I just wanted to know, has anybody had experience or uh, sometimes codependency coming up um, as far as boundaries or things where sometimes it's like, I told you so, I, you know, I would have suggested, I did suggest it and not second guessing, but at the same time, if a sponsor doesn't follow the suggestion or wanting the best for them and between the honesty and sometimes they hide. I've had sponsors hide because they're ashamed to come and tell me the truth until it's, they're in a problem again, but until they get to that problem. So I, I want to help and I want to be a trusted servant or a loving witness. I love that now, but I want to hear any spiritual help or suggestions. Thanks. I always take those kinds of situations to my own sponsor who has like 35 years of experience, really grounded and I often, I mean, she's been my biggest resource for like, if I don't know how to help a sponsee, then I talk to her. And sometimes, you know, if my sponsee asks me a question, I'll be like, I, I don't really know the answer to that question. But, you know, let me ask my own sponsor to see if she has, you know, some, some ideas. So I really, I go to her quite a bit. Or I, and I did in the beginning. Pass. This is Ashley. I, between this, this good question and the last one, I think the the beauty of this program is that everybody learns that the answer is inside themselves. It's not actually in your sponsor. And so when somebody's in the food, I know I have very little experience here, but helping somebody new come into the program, they're, they're struggling with food a lot. And I just have so much empathy for them because I know exactly what that's like. And it's such a horrible place. So I listen and I ask open-ended questions that, and, and sometimes even answer a question with a question because the answer is within us all. If we just quiet our minds long enough to let that higher brain talk and then you can put some structure around that idea so that the next time your lower addictive brain is going, eat, 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 you have a path, you've established a path and you can make a choice to follow it or not. But we're all here to practice that cycle, I think, so that we can develop new, healthier ruts to get in. Thank you, Ashley. Now it's time to end the Q&A. Thank you, everyone who participated. We hope you've enjoyed today's presentation. 
and that it is the first step towards encouraging you to think about sponsoring. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit secularovereaters.org and consider making a donation. Thank you.